everyone, this is Josh for episode 53 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I am here with Brian Dixon, Clarity Coach. Brian, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. Josh, really excited to chat with you and to serve your listeners today. Awesome. And, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of, of serving. Really interested to dive deep into your story and, and your expertise and getting into more about what a Clarity Coach is. Could you tell us? Mm-hmm. A little bit more about that first, Brian, and then we can kind of get into how you got there. Absolutely. I, I think there's probably two kinds of listeners. We haven't talked about this, but I'm assuming there's there's kind of two groups of, of your listeners right now. There are those that are in the grind. There are those that, that have gone full-time, that are solopreneurs, that left that nine to five or, or you know, got shown the door, and now they're trying to make it work. And maybe it's working or maybe it's not working, but you know, they're completely on their own as a solopreneur. And then there's the others that, that dream of being a solopreneur. I know for me, I was listening to solopreneur kinds of content when I still was in my, in my J-O-B, my just over broke job, right? Just like trying to make <laughs> exactly. it by working for somebody else, sacrificing my dream every, every day for a paycheck. And, um, and what happens in the mess, no matter who you are right now listening, what happens in the mess of all that is we get a little foggy. You know, we get, we get a little uh, knocked off center. Uh, we think we're going to start this certain business and then we start, you know, start working with somebody else who leads to this other thing, leads to this other thing. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves, maybe we're making income, but we're not really living our dream or we're, you know, just doing our dream a couple hours a week. And, uh, but then we're working hard on something that we don't really love or not really passionate about. And so my job is to help you read, help read your label, you know, come, come alongside you and just say, Hey, who's your main, like, who's your ideal client or what I'd say your audience? Like, let's clarify who your audience is, who you really are made to serve. You know, the second one is now what's your message to that person? Cause it's one specific person. So what's your message, which is always, you can overcome, you can overcome this thing where you're stuck. If you you know, follow my system or implement my, you know, follow my coaching, implement my services, buy my product, whatever it is. Uh, So that's audience message. And then the third part of clarity coaching is products, which is what is the thing that you offer the tool or the service that you offer to help that help your ideal audience member move forward in their life and finally get unstuck. So AMP audience message and products, three legs of the stool. And, uh, and if your business is suffering right now, that's probably one of the reasons, you know, that's one of those legs are, is broken or non-existent and you're falling over and you can't, you know, you can't really build a stable business without those three. Right. Very cool. Very interesting. So let's get a little meta here, Brian. How did you come upon becoming a, a, a clarity coach? Have you been doing it for a while? Is this something that you started early on in your professional career? Really interested in learning about kind of where everything started for you? Oh yeah. I, am I detecting a Canadian accent? You are. That's a great call. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, I, I moved to, um, to Manitoba, Canada uh, in fifth grade and lived there all the way through college. So, so I'm actually a oh, dual wow. citizen. Uh, and the longer we talk, Josh, the more my accent's going to come out. So it's right. just <laughs> the way it goes, right? <laughs> no problem. Uh, I, I love it. Yeah, so I started at this uh, this little liberal liberal arts college, religious college in uh, in outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, and and at that college, you know, my my main job was to, or my main like dream, my dream was to be a rock star. You know, I I, I was in a band, and uh, we'd play 
evenings and weekends while going to school and, and trying to make it as a band. And my freshman year of college, I was in a life-changing car accident. It was February. So, you know, February in Canada is like yeah. the worst month in Canada, right? I'm already mentally preparing for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like everybody kind of like settles in to like prepare for February. And uh, February 20th, 1997, the, the night before, there was this freak rainstorm in Manitoba, which, you know, Manitoba in February is supposed to be like ridiculously cold, like minus 40. And for some reason, it rained the night before. So I guess it warmed up. And uh, so it knocked out the power, knocked out everybody's electricity, you know, all the lights and everything. And then the next morning, our college had this, you know, they had this event that, that I needed to go prepare for because I was in the band. And, um, and the guy who normally salt the roads and clean the roads, like he slept in because his, um, you know, his alarm clock didn't go off. And everybody's alarm clock didn't go off at that time. And this is years ago. And, and so... Um, that early morning, you know, driving, driving on this, on this unsalted highway, as you can imagine, it was just a sheet of ice and, uh, T-boned, right. I got, I got hit going highway speed, slid right on, right, like right across the, um, in America we call it the interstate. So what do you call it? Like the, the highway, mm -hmm. uh, in Canada, right across the highway, got hit by another car that couldn't stop either. Jeez. And, um, they had to use the jaws of life to get me out of the car. Three doctors told me I should have died and I'll never walk again. And what I, what I learned through that experience, so 11 days later, I took my first step. Wow. And what I, what I learned in that process as an 18-year-old kind of punk kid, you know, mm. was that you can never let somebody else's diagnosis become your destiny. Just because these experts, right, these doctors had said, this is, this is what, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me. Like, I think so many entrepreneurs feel that way too. You know, it's like your, your old boss told you something, your industry tells you something, maybe a, a relationship, somebody in your life, maybe your parents or your spouse or a friend says, there's no way, you know, you could start that business. You could grow that business. You could work from home. And, uh, we know that their rules aren't our rules, you know, right. their way of living doesn't have to be our way of living. And, and so that accident for me was the foundation of the way I approached life, which is, you know, get, just squeeze up every, every job, every drop of joy from a day, you know, show up for people every day because you don't know how long you have. I got a second chance at 18 and, uh, and ever since then I've just been on a mission to try to figure out like, how can I make the biggest impact in the world? So for 14 years, that meant being a teacher and being a school administrator. Actually, at the kind of the peak of that part of my career, I got to start a charter school. So, so in the States, you know, charter schools are sort of this innovative model. It's, a, it's, it's almost like a public-private partnership where you mm -hmm. can start a school with a mission, but you get the funding of the state. So, so you, can, you can experiment, but you also aren't going to go broke doing it. So uh, I did that for about five years. And through the process of launching the school, I just discovered that I really am an entrepreneur and started coaching and helping people um, get their big dream off the ground. And that sort of led to working with a lot of authors, which led to me being an author and, uh, and then eventually sort of doing what I do now, which is just basically like, let's get clear on your dream. Like that's, that's what I do now. Right. And, and how did it look? practically speaking, were you still working at that school? Did you start helping just students? Like how did that teaching and, and coaching start yeah. from the very beginning? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, think, I think for those of us that 
there, there is sort of a coaching personality. I've found I coach a lot of coaches now and mm-hmm. we just can't help ourselves. You know, <laughs> right. we see something wrong in the world, or like what we would say is wrong. And we look at it and we go, oh, like it's broken. Don't they know? Like, that's a good test. If you're, if you're thinking about maybe I should be a coach, um, one, of the, one of the little exercises that I have my clients uh, do is, is writing out uh, an if only they knew list. So right on the top of a piece of paper, if only they knew, dot, dot, dot. And then like, what are all the things you wish people knew? You know, so for those Mm -hmm. of us in technology, I I use tech all the time. Like if only they knew, and then it's just like really basic things that you know that your, you know, your dad might not know, or, you know, your sister might not know, or maybe your, one of your friends might not know. And, um, and that's sort of your, your obvious magic. You know, it's obvious to you is magic to other people. And, and what I started to discover as a teacher is there was a lot of things that I knew that just other people didn't know because that's true of everybody, right? What, Josh, what you know from your experience, your background, your education um, is so valuable. So, so in, in my world, um, I, I knew how to keep kids safe on the internet. Like that's one of the things I knew how to do because I was a teacher and I used computers. And so I understood how an internet filter works. I understood some basic logic of checking in with kids so that they don't just, you know, look at whatever they want to look at, especially in, in the, you know, when they're 10 years old, um, because they could get in a, you know, look at a lot of stuff that you, you know, that they shouldn't be looking at, especially when they're 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I started helping parents with that. Parents would invite me to come speak and, uh, and do internet safety uh, presentations. And I just thought, like, there's, first of all, there's no way anybody would pay for that because it's so obvious. Uh, and second of all, like, nobody's really going to show up because they could just Google that. You know, they could just find oh, it on really? the internet. So yeah. we discount what we're really good at. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it started for me. Like, my first paid speaking gig was at a church, and I taught them the five simple steps of keeping your kids safe on the internet. And then I got hired by, like, the, what do they call it? The Girl Scouts, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and then the Boy Scouts and then some other youth groups. And that sort of just like showed me that I can do something beyond just my day job. And, and some of those gigs actually paid. Like I remember my first time I got a check for $1,200 and I think mm-hmm. it was three presentations I gave to a school district. And Josh, I was like, I can't believe people pay that much money <laughs> for me to talk, you right. know? So... Well, That's and, and I think the other, the other interesting part and important part is if you can combine that knowledge with good speaking skills, then, right. you know, it, it's pretty powerful. Had, had you always been a good speaker? Did, did you enjoy public speaking? Were you someone who shied away from it? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, my, my dad was a pastor growing up. So it was always sort of expected that, you know, I would have to say something on a stage Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even when I was a little kid, I, I found some old video of when we were like five and six years old. I have a, I have a younger sister, so she was even younger. But, you know, we had to like introduce a song at, at church, you know, or we had to right. make announcements. And then I was, uh, I worked at a summer camp uh, on, on Lake Winnipeg for years in the summer. And, you know, it just, how do you get kids to pay attention? You got to go, Hey, everybody look over here, you know? Mm-hmm. So you just got used to being in front of, in front of people that, or at least that's what I did. And then as a teacher, like, right. it's funny because a lot of teachers are pretty shy people, but not when they go in a classroom, you know? So I think we've got, we've got some, um, some skills that maybe are, are hidden under the surface. And, and as a teacher, you just have to use them 
So there's, there's nothing like standing up in front of seventh graders and trying to teach mm-hmm. them language arts to develop your speaking skills. Cause there's, there's, there's ways to keep them engaged and there's ways to bore them to death. So that's kind of where a lot of my speaking stuff started was just, just what it was Malcolm Gladwell say 10,000 hours, just yeah. 10,000 hours of standing up in front of kids and, and helping them not fall asleep and actually learn what they're supposed to learn, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's no shortage of memories borderline dozing off in high school classes for me. The worst. Uh, so, so Brian, you, you start getting these speaking gigs, you see the paychecks, you, you probably get this sort of almost like a light bulb moment. It sounds like, mm-hmm. what did you do from there? What, what were some, like, what were your immediate next steps? Were yeah. you thinking, uh, you know, did you drop your day job soon after or, or curious to hear what happened next? Oh yeah. This, this is, this is one of those stories that, oh man, it's, it's like, I really believe this and I, and I share this with my, my coaching clients all the time. Sorry. I, I share this with my coaching clients all the time. I like, you just have to be faithful with what's in front of you. And, and another way mm-hmm. to think about that is just like, just take the next step. You will never see the whole path. It's just, it just doesn't work that way that you'll see the whole path, but it's pretty obvious what's right in front of you. And so, right. so for me, you know, I, I just had a conversation with one of my friends I was, I was, at this time I had now started a school. I was running the school for a couple of years and I started to get that entrepreneurial itch, you know, cause the school was running well. And I remember this one day I was wearing a suit. Uh, we had, we, we bought an old bank building, renovated this old bank building and turned it into a, into a technology based high school for kids. And I, I remember going up and down the elevator cause it was six floors. And when I got to like the third floor, I thought there's really no reason for me to get off because everything's fine. Like if I walk down the halls, the teachers are fine. The students are fine. I don't think anybody needs me anymore. And it was this weird moment of like uh, starting to disengage. And I believe disengagement is death. Like when you start disengaging from your key relationships, they're going to start dying. You know, when you disengage from your clients, they're going to start firing you. When you disengage from leveling up your skills, you disengage from your health, you know, you disengage Mm -hmm. from what's important, eventually it'll go away. And, and so I started to disengage. And I, I would say, I don't think I, it was a depression, but it was more of this feeling of like, I don't think I belong here anymore, you know? Right. And, and so realizing you don't belong in somewhere you've created was really weird <laughs> because I always thought it was the system. You know, I always thought it was, well, if I had a better principle then I'd be a better teacher. You know, if, if, if I had a better uh, classroom, like if I had a better setup of kids, if I had better schedule. And, and at this point now, I had made all those things myself and still I wasn't satisfied. Um, and so anyway, so I was riding the elevator up and down for, I don't know, 10 minutes thinking, I don't think I need to, like I, nobody's going to miss me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized at that moment, I've, I've got to go find something. So, so I, I reached out to one of my buddies who was having the same thing. He, he was an attorney. He started his own law firm and he hated his life. He was like, <laughs> I don't think they need me either. So we signed up for a, um, like this dream weekend thing. Uh, it was called Innovate. And it was with this career coach, Dan Miller, who is amazing. And uh, it was basically how to find an innovative career. And it was really humbling to go to because I was like, I don't want, I, like, I don't want somebody to help me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can figure this out on my, my on my own. Um, but I, but so we got on the plane, we were living in, you know, the schools in Louisiana. So we, we, we flew, my friend David and I flew from Louisiana to, to Nashville, Tennessee to go to this conference. 
And I was listening on the plane to a new podcast by a guy named Michael Hyatt. And Michael had left his job and become a full-time speaker. And as I was listening to his story, I was like, that sounds awesome. I'd like to do that. And, and in, in the episode, on the plane, like going to Nashville, um, Michael says, you know, we're starting to build our team and we're looking for somebody who loves marketing, but also has maybe a background in education that can help us with some of our online courses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's me. Like, that's totally <laughs> me. I can do that. Like I've done online courses and I've started a school and I love marketing because I had to learn marketing for the school. And uh, so I'm like, well, okay, that's interesting. Like, how, how do I make that happen? Like, how do I meet him? He's, he's kind of a famous guy. Like, do I send him an email? Like, what do I do? And so, so I didn't know the next step. Many of you guys listening right now, you don't know the next step, but I knew to go to a conference because the conference might help me get some clarity. So my friend Dave and I are sitting in the front, literally the front row at this conference. There's maybe like 50 people there. And, uh, and Dan is kind of doing his, his introductions, you know, that morning, the next day. And he's about 10 minutes into like explaining the conference and what we're going to learn and all our exercises and stuff. And then he says, Oh, somebody just drove up. I want to introduce our special guest for today. Please welcome <laughs> Michael Hyatt. Wow. And Mike walks in and I was like, what? Like it just hit me. Like, you mean like when I, when I work hard and take steps, then the next step will appear. And I knew then when he walked in, I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving this day without talking to him. You know, that was the next step. So then I I talked to him. He introduced me to his manager who was traveling with him. I got to know his manager. And they offered me an opportunity a few months later to do a contract with them. But it was, it was, um, it was like 30 hours a week. There's no way I could keep running the school and also do 30 hours a week for this up and coming guy, you know? And so I had to have the difficult conversation with my board and say, you know, I think, I think this is, this is it. So, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, I'm married, been married for 17 years. And, and at the time, this is now six, seven years ago. So, so married over 10 years. Um, I thought for years that, that um, being married is a, is a burden to your dreams. You know, it's, it's, it's a weight, it's an anchor, you know, for me to quit my job, I was making over six figures uh, at that, you know, as the founder of the school, because uh, the school had really grown, you know, gotten a lot of community support. Um, I thought that for me to tell my wife that I dreamed of quitting my job and starting to work for speakers and helping people with their online marketing, especially for authors, that she would say, um, that's dumb. You know, don't do it. You'll go broke. It won't work. Why aren't you happy? And instead, she said, that sounds like an awesome opportunity. Like, let's mm-hmm. figure out how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just, that's amazing. And, and so for those of you who challenge, like that, that you haven't told your, your person about your dream, because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, that dream on their own instead of with their person. Like bring your person in the loop. You know, you might not know the, the how, but you probably know the what, like what, what you'd want to do or at least why you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so Julie being really supportive was, was the key catalyst to me actually leaving, leaving that job. Um, and here's the fun part. So the, the contract with, with Mike Hyatt wasn't, wasn't hundred percent of my salary, right? It was like, I think it was yeah, 60 or 80% of my salary. So I, I was going to go, I was going to go down in salary to go work for him, um, which is fine. I mean, it was cause you know, that's reasonable or whatever, what he was offering. Um, and I thought, wait, I'm going to have a little bit more time available. So I reached out to one of our key vendors that we were working with at the school. And I said, hey, 
if I leave my thing, like if I, if I leave my position, what if I partnered with you? And what if I became like a spokesperson for you guys or a rep or, or something like that? And they were blown away, Josh. They were like, you'd, you'd do that? Like you'd work with us? Mm-hmm. So, so I offered them, create, it's a created opportunity, right? That's what entrepreneurs do. So mm-hmm. I, had, I had, you know, lunch with them. I gave them this idea. And the idea was basically, you would fund me to create content. So I'm going to create on YouTube videos. I'm going to speak at conferences. I'm going to, you know, make um, introductions over LinkedIn and, and Facebook to help you grow your business. And I'm going to keep sharing. I'm going to keep sharing the message of how we grew the school and how you guys helped. And they're like in. So I did a six month deal with them. The Hyatt deal was about, uh, I think it was about eight months. And that was enough for me to get off the ground with my first two clients. And I officially kind of started my own agency at that point. Right. That, that's incredible. And, and just to highlight a few things. Yeah, please. I mean, num- number one, the, the part about sharing with your, with your person, with your partner, yeah. it, it yeah. sounds like number one, uh, you, you have an awesome person and partner, right? Because <laughs> there might be some people out there whose partners or, or persons, however you want to call them, might not yeah. have that same reaction, right? And, right, and right. you just had such an awesome and, and supportive one, which is which I, I would hope most people would have someone like that. I hope to have one, you know, someone yeah. like that sometime soon. Love and it. the second thing is, I mean, it's pretty incredible that one day you're you're sitting listening to a podcast Right. And the next, you know, a day or two later, the guy's walking into the room that you're at. I, yeah. I think it really, it, it's probably, you know, an, one of the extremes in, the, in right. terms of take action and good things will happen. But I'm a firm believer that if you do take action, maybe the guy you're listening to on the podcast doesn't walk into the room, you know, a, a day or two later, right. but someone else might, right? Or another opportunity might. And, and none of those things would have happened if you were going to conferences, putting yourself out there and, and everything like that. So really, really yeah. incredible, Brian. So it was, you took a lot of really good action to get those first few clients through the door. But at that mm. time, it, it was just you, right? I mean, you, you didn't That's have me. a business. There was no plan or, or, or you weren't yeah. selling a specific product or service from, right. from the sounds of it how were you kind of treating this? Did you even set up an entity? Like, like how were you dealing with this from, from, you know, let's call it the business side of things. It's such a great question, Josh, because I, I probably broke all the rules because I, <laughs> you know, what, what I did, it, you know, there's sort of the, there's, there's those like time machine moments, you know, you wish you could like hop in a magic DeLorean and like go back mm-hmm. and like slap yourself and be like, dude, do this, these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me probably three years of being independent to realize that I'm no longer an employee right? <laughs> because I had been an employee for like almost 20 years. Like, to, and well, especially if you look at like the job you did in college and high school and stuff, like mm-hmm. I'd been, I'd been an employee. I'd been trained as an employee, you know, our education system, what they do is it, they train employees, you know, yeah. my kids, going to school right now are being trained to be employees. And then they come home and they, they talk to dad, you know, they talk to me and I train them to be entrepreneurs. Those are two different end goals. So I, I tried to be an employee of my clients and that is not going to work. And it took me a long time to figure that out. So I, I thought I work since I, since I'm working with Mike's team, I'm an employee for Mike's team. Since I'm working with 
you know, uh, Academic Resource Solutions, ARS, the, the other company, I'm, an, I'm one of their team members. So I started acting like a team member to the point where like we got headshots and, and my picture was on their website, right. you know? And it's like, wait, I don't have an agency. <laughs> I'm not independent if my picture is on the team page on their website. And I had to learn, you know, to, to find, um, okay, so here's like the real for, the, for those of you guys listening right now. Like I actually had to, I had to learn my motivation and I realized through some personality test stuff that my, one, of, one of my motivators, there's, there's two things that come together. One of them is called the Enneagram, realizing I'm an achiever, which is a type three. And then also this thing called the love languages. And I realized my love language is words of affirmation. So mm-hmm. I know that when I do really well, I want somebody to recognize it verbally to say, Brian, you rock. Like, great job, brother. That's awesome. That means a lot to me. Um, I would rather somebody give me a compliment than a paycheck. Like that means that much. Um, obviously not to an extreme, but you know, the sense right. is true. And then number two is I want to accomplish. Like I want to achieve, like I want to, I want to get hit big goals and, and hitting a small goal is a waste of time. I'm going to hit big goals and realizing those two things about me. Uh, I, I had to find, um, some way of getting that verbal recognition and being able to hit big goals um, without doing it in the, in the context of being an employee. And, and so it took me a few years to like figure out like what kind of business do I want to be part of? And now, um, you know, a lot of introspection, a lot of feedback from people working with business coaches, you know, that sort of thing, masterminds with, with, with colleagues in my, in my world. Now my business is set up that I can just be Brian. I'm Brian 100% of the day. Right. And everything that Brian's not supposed to do, somebody else is doing for the company because it's going to die if I try to do it, you know? Right. And could, could so you, that's could you give the key some lesson. Tips? Yeah. yeah. Could, could you break down yeah. maybe in those few years, if you can summarize or break it down into maybe two or three tips right. for people who are just getting started on their own, or maybe they are already up and running yeah. but are still operating like an employee, any kind of hacks to get out of that employee mentality or out of the ment- uh, employee operations uh, in, yeah. in that regard? Well, definitely. So, um, so if you think about it, like every, every decent uh, piece of technology comes with some sort of a user manual, right? So even Tesla's come with user manuals, but they're like digital, you know, like it shows you mm-hmm. exactly how to, how to work every button because it's really complicated. And, and what we've learned is that the, the more you understand the features, the more you benefit from that device, right? Uh, whether it's a car or whether it's a podcast microphone or whether it's your computer the more, or new software program, the more you know how to use it, the more you know what it does, the better results you'll get. And in the same way, you guys are your best tool. Like you're the, you're the best tool, uh, you know, Seth Godin calls, says you're a linchpin, right? You are the linchpin in your business. You are the, either the strongest or the weakest link, you decide. And one of the best things that you can do is really get to know yourself. And I talk about this in my book, Start With Your People, write your own manual. So, you, you know, you don't have a manual, but there are a lot of tools to help you write a manual. It's, it's almost like uh, like try downloading a software program that you've never used before. They, they didn't create any kind of user guides or user manual or tutorials and you go to work learning it and then you create those YouTube videos for people. That's really helpful. 
right? So imagine if you were to do that for yourself. So there's four tools I recommend. And I know you said we'll have show notes. So this is good links in the show notes here. Mm-hmm. So um, I mentioned Enneagram, which is getting a lot of popularity recently because it's how you see the world. So I see the world through the lens of achievement where one of my really good, close friends, she sees the world through, through the lens of art. And if it's, if it's not unique and artistic, she doesn't like it. For me, if I can't sell it, <laughs> you know, I don't like it. It's different. Right. Um, and so Enneagram is, is number one. The love languages, which is, you know, how do you get filled up? So some people, it's gifts. If, if, I give, if I give one of my team members a gift, I just did that. I ordered her some, literally some, some bottles of water on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought I paid her an extra thousand bucks. You know, it just meant <laughs> the world to her, you know, because her love language is gifts. Um, right. But for me, it's, it's words, of, uh, words of affirmation. Uh, two more, strength finders. So knowing what are your strengths, working in your top five strengths and doing nothing else um, because that's what you're really, really good at and that's what people are going to hire you for. And then the fourth one, which, which is, the, is the difference maker, is called the Colby, K-O-L-B-E. And, and with Colby, I realized that I'm not a fact finder. I'm a quick start. A quick start is somebody who hears a new idea, takes action on it immediately and probably does it too quickly you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need that person in your life to, to move things forward. So if I were to have my own manual, man, I wish, I wish this happened in high school, you know, is that, yeah. uh, I don't know, somewhere in eighth grade in grade eight, you, you, you sat down for a couple hours instead of all the standardized tests, you took all these personality tests because like I've got kids, 10, 10 year old, seven year old, four year old, my kids, I could, especially my 10 year old, I could give them these tests right now and his results as a 10-year-old will probably be the same results when he's a 40-year-old, you know? And so if he knows exactly what his strengths are and where his weaknesses are, now it just gives you clarity about what kinds of, what kinds of uh, clients to take on, what kinds of projects to be involved in, what seat on the bus you should be in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and, th- and those are four really, really great actionable pieces of advice. We'll, we'll definitely make sure to link to them in the description of the podcast. So Brian, what's the next step from there? You, you land these two really awesome clients and where do you go from there? Were you spending all your time fulfilling those? Were you also trying to find new clients? Uh, were you continuing with the speaking gigs? It's a great question. So I, oh man, this is like probably the most embarrassing part of my story. Perfect. I, I, I did like, like 40, 40, 20, you know? So 40% of the week was, was working with one client. 40% of the week was working with the other client. And 20% of the time, I was trying to build my own personal brand. Right. And I thought, you know, I saw a couple of people doing YouTube videos. And so I thought, let me do a YouTube video. I'll do a YouTube video every single day, which offers motivational tips. So I did 38 in a row. And after 38 daily YouTube videos, including Sundays, like every single day, seven days a week, 38 days straight, I realized I've wasted a ton of time and I didn't make any money from those YouTube videos. And I really put myself out there. You know, I put it on Instagram and Facebook and I'd tell people about it. And it was like big, you know, my show is launching, you know, did you watch my Mm -hmm. show? You know, and oh my word, like if I had, again, if I had that magical DeLorean, I could go back in time. I would say, okay, good for you that you know how to make videos and you want to, you want to help people with motivation, but who's your audience? What's your message? And what are the products you're going to offer? Because I didn't make one sale during, during that month long experiment, but that not working, Josh, it really knocked me off my game. 
you know, because I put myself so out there. I would call it the, the advanced show and actually leave it on YouTube just because I want people to see that we are going to have a messy story, you know? Right. So, so the advanced show is a YouTube channel that nobody really asked for. Nobody necessarily wanted, but I wanted to do it. Like I thought I could motivate people by making this daily YouTube video of me like in a suit with a white background, like in your face truth, you know, like giving them the real story on how to stay motivated. And it was just like, I, I don't know, at my peak, I got maybe a thousand views, you know, right. on like one video. And I had no clarity about who it was for, what I really say, and then what, what, what do I say to them if they want to work with me? Um, and so that's why I didn't make any sales because I had nothing to sell. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even offer coaching. I didn't even say, if you like these videos, you can hire me and I'll help you get some clarity or some motivation in your life. Right. So I, I really felt like I wasted my time because um, it, it was kind of, um, it was kind of depressing, honestly. Right. Well, co correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think the big mistake there was taking action in the form of do, yeah. you know, recording 38 YouTube videos. Cause That's for right. a lot of people that, that can be a really great strategy. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like where you went wrong was you didn't really have direction. You didn't know your message. You didn't know who your, you know, target market was yes. and you didn't really have an, an end goal or let's call it like a call to action so that people could, could, uh, take a next step to work with you. D does that make sense? Oh, that, that's exactly it. And here's the really ironic thing, Josh. At the time, so the, the first two contracts I, I took on, they were just starting to end, you know, like we had done our work together and, you know, we started to kind of phase those out. And so I started getting more time and started investing more in my YouTube videos. But as I was doing that, people had seen the work I did with, with Hyatt's team and they wanted me to start helping them with their book launches and their online courses. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I can help you with that. But I really want to do my YouTube channel, you know? Right. So, so the, the people that like now it's so clear, but in the time it was really foggy, you know, but, but looking back at it now, it's almost like they had money in their hands and they're like, look it, I will hire you to help me, to help me do the thing that you were helping Mike Hyatt do. Uh, here, can I pay you to do this? And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. Like I'll do it for free because I really want to be this famous YouTube guy, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, if I look back, I should have I said, wait, let me just do the YouTube thing for somebody who wants to do online courses. That would make a lot more sense. So then right. I have some clarity of, about my message. My message might be like, you know, a breakdown of which online course platform should you use? And what are the mistakes when people make when they're trying to build an online course? And, and that sort of thing, you know, like really focus and call it like the course creator network or like something really specific instead of the advanced show, you know? Right. Well, well, how do you, yep. how do you treat that, uh, Brian? And what I mean by that is how do you evaluate or, or, or I'm trying to think of the best way to act, uh, uh, word this, yep. you have something that in your head you really, really want to do in, in your case, you know, become this big YouTuber. And right. on the other hand, you have this, specialty or, or experience and and you may have people with cash in hand ready to pay you for it yes. is it a matter of finding the middle ground or or should you just totally forget about your passion and interest and, and follow the money how, how do you how do you approach that yes that's such a great question I actually, I actually talk about this a little bit in the book because you know i really believe your mess is your message 
mm-hmm. right? What, what you go through and, and the struggles you have. I mean, I really believe it. It's, it's a little embarrassing, but the best thing to do is to share it because somebody else out there needed to hear that. You know, somebody else out there right now, you're listening and you're like, oh, I'm doing that. Like I have my own version of the advanced show, you know, on Instagram and I'm just, I'm just sharing stuff randomly, but, but it's not for a person. So Josh, I've, I've kind of figured out through my coaching, through being coached and through finally getting clear, there's four aspects of work you love or what I'd call your profitable purpose. There's the work itself. Like what will people, you know, what, what can you do? You know, what's your competency? That's the work. The second aspect is demand. Do people want it? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that right there is the question that most people don't want to ask. If you told your family, you know, or your best friend, like, hey, I want to start this thing. They would say, that sounds awesome. You'd be really good at that. Mm-hmm. They want to encourage you. The question they won't ask, and this is, this is what I do as a coach, and it kind of hurts people's feelings, is I ask, that's great. Like I say, that's great. Congratulations. It's really interesting. Do people want that? Do -hmm. people want to pay you? And how do you know? The only way you know if somebody wants to pay you is if they've actually paid you. That's the only way. Because what will happen, this happens with authors a lot. People encourage you and they say, I love it. You should write that book. You you write that book, I'll buy the book. I'll buy the book for all my friends. And then you go and write the book and and you publish the book and you have the book in your hand and you say, the book's out. How many copies do you want? And they say, oh, um, I've got a lot of books on my plate, right? on my, on my um, side table right now. You know, right. like, right? I'll order on Amazon later. <laughs> they don't buy the book and they don't even buy the five for their friends like they said they would. So demand is the biggest uh, cl- um, clarifying factor for figuring out if it's a job or a hobby. You know, is it a business or a hobby? And ho- it, you can be passionate about your hobby. That's, that's aspect number three. Uh, you could have reach, which means people follow you. So you could have people following you. You could be passionate. You could be really good at it. But unless you have demand, unless somebody wants to pay you for it, it's still not a business. And there's a lot of Instagrammers and TikTokers that they have three of the four, but they don't have demand. People don't want what they're offering or they don't want to pay for what they're offering or they're not offering anything. And so people aren't paying them anything and their thing is eventually going to die. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a great way to approach all of that. And so, Brian, what, what has happened since then and, and now? What have been the big improvements or, or systems you've put in place? Or yeah. I know that's probably a bit of a loaded question, but if you could uh, talk about some of the major ones and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, turn that into some actionable tips that people, uh, people like myself and the listeners could use as well. For sure. So number one is just focus on one person. So my, my main, you know, call her what you want, avatar, reader, client, uh, audience member, her name's Cheryl. And I kind of made her up. She's an amalgamation of a number of people that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl is 35 years old. She lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. She has two kids. They're both in school now. Um, she dreams about being a published author and having her book on a bookshelf in a legit bookstore, like across the country. Uh, and in order for her to do that, she gives it four hours a week. So every Thursday from two o'clock in the afternoon to six o'clock at night, her husband picks up the kids from school and she goes to her favorite coffee shop in downtown Cincinnati. She orders a latte and a, a little dessert. She sits in front of her laptop and she starts working on her blog because she thinks for me to have a book in a bookstore, I need to be a blogger because that's how I get the attention of a publisher. That's at least what she thinks. 
And so she's working there for about 10 minutes on Thursday at two o'clock. So by, by about 2.10, 2.15 uh, on a Thursday, she starts to get distracted by social media. So she picks up her mm-hmm. phone, starts scrolling through Instagram and she starts to get overwhelmed. You know, I don't have what it takes. Look at all these pretty photos. Look at all these smart marketing people. Look at all these famous books, you know, authors that are doing book signings and book tours and speaking at conferences. Why am I, like, I don't have what it takes. And so she wants to give up and quit and, you know, just close her laptop and go home. And as she's scrolling through Instagram, she's scrolling through Facebook, she sees one post from Brian Dixon. And she gets a little encouragement, a little inspiration, little instruction, and she doesn't give up. She turns back to her computer and she implements something that she heard Brian say. And it helps her move forward because when you make progress, people don't quit when they're making progress. When you make progress, you don't quit. And her name's Cheryl, and that's my person. So what I do when I think about my products, my programs, my services, is I just ask the one question, Josh. I ask, what does Cheryl need from me today? So Cheryl, if you will, like serving her has led to us founding a membership community for writers. That's one of my main things I do. It's called Hope Writers. And it's for 35-year-old women who want to write books. Mm -hmm. Like that's our perfect person for it. And started with about 40 people and it's grown to almost 3,500 people uh, that pay every month to be part of it or we have an annual level as well. Um, It's led to coaching and mostly I coach kind of women in their 30s and 40s who want to write a book. Like those are my people I, I coach. I get invited to speak at conferences and most of the conferences have women in their 30s and 40s who want to write a book. Like that's, that, those are my people. And so having that audience clarity or what I call customer clarity is the first step in figuring out what is it that you sell. So you guys listening right now, I know you probably have a product or service that you're thinking about, but who is it for and does she want it or does he want it? That's the one question I wish I knew six years ago. Right. And would you say it's important to go as in depth in terms of the detail of describing that person? Because, I mean, we've all kind of kind of heard about the strategy and, and I yeah. definitely have, I kind of have two people in mind uh, and, and you referred to them earlier, kind of the person who's already struggling through the journey or the person who hasn't started yet. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you the details that you just gave in terms of, I mean, some of those details are clearly, well, they're very detailed and and probably for a reason, right? The fact that she takes time away to go to the coffee shop, the fact that you know what she orders, you know, the fact that you can tell the primary distractions and fears and and everything like that. So, I mean, should I be sitting down and, and, and going into that much detail about the ideal uh, customer, client, whoever you want to call them? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. I because here's what, it, here's what it does for me. Like, like I, can, I can literally picture Cheryl. Now, I went on Unsplash or one of those photo websites and I found a mm-hmm. picture and I typed in like pretty lady laptop coffee. Like, right. And I found, and, and I was scrolling, 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 scrolling. And then I saw this picture and I'm like, oh, there she is. That's Cheryl. <laughs> and I, yeah. can, I can look at it on the computer and I go, okay, look, like she's the kind of person that buys a Peloton. You know, she spends Mm -hmm. however much $8,000 to get an exercise bike. That's Cheryl. You know, she has uh, Thursday afternoons free. That's Cheryl. You know, her husband, so she's married. So her husband picks up the kids, which means that she has a pretty decent marriage if the husband's involved in the kids' lives. So I can just picture exact. So when I write 
I'm writing from this place of like confidence because I know exactly who she is. Now, the funny thing is I, I coach, you know, women who are divorced. I coach women who don't have young kids at home. You know, I even coach women who don't have a dream of writing a book. But when I focus specifically on one and I speak specifically to her, people can filter out some of the details that don't apply to them. Mm -hmm. um, but it's better to be specific and let them filter it out than to be so general, right? To be, be so vanilla, so vague that nobody's attracted to it. You know, you right. think about like a movie or a book or, a, or music, it's, it's for a specific person. But the, the more niche, like, the more weird, right? The more popular it could be because people are like, oh, you know exactly what you're going to get. You know, right. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a scary movie. Okay, I know what I'm going to get. Or it's going to be exciting. I know exactly what I'm going to get. So people generally don't know what a solopreneur does, you know? Mm -hmm. The people generally don't, didn't know what I did until I got clear about Cheryl. And my answer is, I help women who want to be authors. That's all I do. You know, right. well, how do you help them? Well, let me tell you, I've got a podcast and social media and we have a conference and we have books and coaching and a membership site. We have all these things, but all those things came later because I had to first start with my people. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Brian, this, this is flying by and, and, and there were a few more things I wanted to get to uh, sure, within this episode. So let's shift focus a little bit to your book. Start with your people, the daily yep. decision that changes everything. And there were a list of bullet points, all of which really jumped out at me. And the, I wanted to mention the top two for me and, and see yep. if you could expand, obviously, without ruining the secrets of the book. But if you could <laughs> go into a little bit of detail, and of course, we'll link to it in the description. Um, the, the two that really stuck out to me are uh, the number one key to unlocking your powerful network. Um, yep. I, I know especially as a solopreneur myself, how important your network and, and networking in general is. So I'd love to hear, you know, some thoughts that you have, or if you have one or two pieces of advice on sure. blocking your network, that would be awesome. And then we can get to the other bullet point next. So thank you so much, Josh. So think about that guys, right? You're, you already have a powerful network, but it's locked. There are so many people that you know, that know of you, or that are connected to people that you know, you think about that, what is it? Seven degrees of separation, right? Mm -hmm. People already know you and you already know all the people you need for your business to kill it next year. You already know these people, but it's locked. It's like, how, like, how, do, I, how do I work with them? How do I tell them what I do? How do I, how do I pitch to them? Like, do I have a business card? You know, do I need an elevator pitch? We get really stuck. And so the number one key to unlocking your powerful network, because you already have a powerful network, but it's locked, is to show up and serve. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, one of my, one, a guy in my neighborhood, we become friends because our, our kids go to the same school. He's running for mayor of our local town. We live in a local town here south of Charlotte, North Carolina. And how do I, how do I show up and serve him? Well, I know how to do Facebook ads. So I reached out to him when he told me he's running for mayor because we're friends because I showed up and served him in other ways before, you know? And I said, hey, Bob, uh, if you need help, I can run Facebook ads for you. I'm happy to do it for free because I believe in him. Now, the election's next week. He might get elected. Guess what? I just added a mayor to my network, you know? Right. And the way I did that is because I was a human and I was a nice person and I helped him. And I helped him with Facebook ads and I helped him with his, with his kind of marketing strategy for becoming a mayor because that's what I do. So whatever you do, 
um, here's, here's the, the kind of clarifying question I use. Um, as you walk in a room, as you walk into a room at a conference, as you walk into a room at a networking event, as you walk into a room at your church or at your kid's school or whatever, just fix what's broken. Look around and ask yourself, what's broken around here? Because Josh, what you see is broken. I might not even see it, but what I see is broken is, is something different. So for example, my kid's school, I, I think about marketing. I think about messaging and uh, they just got a new principal this last year. But the principal before that, when I would get an email from, from the pr principal, it was like, man, that's a broken email. You know? right. It's like, it doesn't even tell me what to do. It doesn't even give me an invitation to the next thing. Every email should be an invitation. Mm -hmm. And the new principal does a good job. The new principal has an invitation in the email. Uh, but there's a couple of things I noticed the new principal doing that probably he needs to work on a little bit. And so I build a relationship with him. I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm one of the parents of the school. Congratulations on the new job. Welcome to the, to the community. Listen, this is what I do. I help people with X, Y, and Z. And uh, if you want some help with this one specific thing, I'm here to help you. So that's it. You, you see something that's broken. This is how I've landed a number of my like main clients that I work with now is I went to their conference and I looked around and I went, wow, nobody's filming this. Like, why is no one filming this conference? That's mm -hmm. pretty easy. Like that's a Craigslist post, you know, right. let's go film the conference. So then after the conference was over, you know, I'm not shaming them during the conference, but after the conference was over, I walked up to, to the main guy at this one conference and I said, Hey, this was amazing. Thank you so much for the conference. I really appreciate it. I've learned a ton by the way somebody needs to film this. Like yeah. we need to get somebody to film this. I said, we need to get somebody to film this. And he said, you know what? You're right. I, I, I've thought about it, but I just don't know what to do. And I said, listen, let me take care of it because I know how to film conferences. I'll do it for free. If you'll let me come next time for, for free. He's like, are you kidding me? You'll do that? Like, of course I will. Are you kidding me? I love your stuff. And this conference was amazing. I'd love to come again. I'll bring my equipment and I will film it and I'll give you the footage. How's that sound? He was like, no way. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally in. So the next conference, you know, four months later, because he does it three times a year, he let me stay at his house, <laughs> right. film the conference, split the revenue because we sold the recordings. We went on to go build other things together, split the revenue on those. And so that one kind of volunteer thing for two or three days led to hundreds of thousands of dollars of business over the course of the last couple of years. So that's the answer, right? To unlock your powerful network is just look at what's broken and go fix it. Show up and serve and it'll mm -hmm. open up other doors for you. Right, that's, that's really great stuff. Brian, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is the counterintuitive method to increase your income. That really jumped out at me when I was reading the book description. You probably can't go into full detail, and, and you know we do wanna leave some up to, uh, to the mystery of the confines of the book, but if, <laughs> could you touch on that a little bit and, and what you meant by it? Absolutely. So the counterintuitive way to increase your income is to give more away for free. Hmm. Because if you think about it, right, many people think you need to, you need to hide your best stuff behind a paywall, right? If they pay, mm -hmm. I'll give them more. And, and I started to not think that this was true anymore because I, I'm colleagues and friends and, and have clients with a number of really generous people who get this, you know, they get the idea of showing up and serving and doing a great job for people, even if they're not paying you. 
Um, because you know eventually it returns. Like somehow you get paid later. It just, it just happens. Uh, it, you get paid by a referral or you get paid by a reference or you get paid you know, in the future, um, but you don't get paid right away. And then mm-hmm. three weeks ago, I, I paid to go to a conference and it was a really small conference on how to grow your membership site and I was really excited about it. And uh, Josh, it was like, when, you know, when you see an example of somebody completely doing it wrong, it's mm-hmm. just like, you can't even handle it, you know? Right. <laughs> I just wanted to like jump out of my skin. He would, he would go up to the whiteboard and he'd say something like, um, you know, there are, there are three emails you need to write when you launch your membership site. Email number one, and he'd teach about email number one for like 10 minutes. And then he'd say, and now email number two, you know what? I'm not going to teach that. If you join my $15,000 mastermind, then I'll teach you email number two and three. Mm-hmm. And he did that over and over again over the course of two days. And I addressed it to him because yeah, somebody has to tell him he's not wearing any clothes, you know? Right. So I, we had this little conversation. I said, listen, dude, you can't just teach us one third of things and then want us to pay for the rest. You got to teach us everything. Then we'll trust you. And when we trust you, we want to keep doing business with you. But the way you're doing it is so shady. And mm-hmm. oh, it was not a, not a good conversation. He did not want to hear that, but he right. needed to hear it. And somebody needed to tell him, and, and that's what a lot of you are doing right now. Like you're not, you're not, you're refusing to like edit somebody's video because you're a video editor and you want to get paid for it. But what if you were to edit that one video, which led to business by doing more videos, you know, stop, stop holding your magic inside of yourself or, or on your couch and start spreading it across your community. And that means maybe working for free for a while, not forever. But what I've learned is if I give a ton of stuff away, you know, if I give my content away on, on, on social media, if I show up on podcasts, if I do Instagram stories, if I coach people, you know, um, in group settings for free in, in different, you know, face groups and things like that, the more I do those things for free, the more people want to pay me to work one-on-one, which mm-hmm. is where the majority of my income comes from. So that's the counterintuitive method to increasing your income is to give more stuff away. And generally that's just your knowledge. Just share what right. you know because when people know that you care about them and that you know a lot, they're going to want to hire you to help them actually implement that knowledge. Right. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Brian, my, my last question is, can you just give us one or two pieces of advice to the solopreneurs out there who might be really struggling at the beginning phases or maybe don't have or haven't kind of pulled the trigger on an idea or a passion project or something and, and that they know they should be? Yeah, there's, there's a number of mistakes. I, I, can, I can narrow it down to three, so we'll go real fast. There's three big mistakes I see solopreneurs making, you know, people that are running their own company. Uh, number one is, is making your hobby your business before it's ready. So treat, taking something you just love doing, but not really working through what a business does, you know, an income model. Who's it for? So it's the audience message and product. It's who's it for? What do you actually say? Or what do you, you know, what's your uniqueness? And then what do you sell? It's taking something that's a hobby and calling it a business when it's not a business, not yet at least, and mm-hmm. not applying the business principles because you love it so much. Uh, it's probably better to start a business that you don't love, you know, like you're not a fan of, you know, it's just something that you actually are good at. And so that's, that's number one. Number two is not including your significant other. So in my case, my, my wife, mm-hmm. you got to include your person. And if you're, if you're not in a relationship, that means maybe bringing in uh, an accountability partner or a friend because that person sees what you can't see and they can prevent you 
from making some major mistakes. And the unity is so much sweeter. It's so much better to do it with somebody than to do it on your own. And number three is not listening to the data because data doesn't lie, right? Failure is just feedback. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means it's not working. And so if you look at the data of did people buy? Oh, no, they didn't. Uh Uh-oh. Should I, re, like, should I reinvest? Should I re- reframe? Should I re-engineer the offer because people didn't buy? And look at the data and say, okay, how do I get to a point where what I have my clients do is come up with a no, low, and woe, three levels of a goal. So for example, they're going to launch a course and I say, okay, great. What's your no level? If, if, if this many people or lower buy the course, then you're never going to do the course again because it was a failure. They like, they're usually like two people. Like, okay, if two or less people buy the course, when you go through this big launch, then you're not going to do the course again, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And then the low numbers may be five and then the high numbers like 20 or more. And then you go do all your work, but then you write it like on a piece of paper, you could even put it in a drawer and then go through your whole launch, get your product out and then go back to the drawer and say, now that I have the numbers from the first month of sales, let me go to the drawer. What did I, what did I say in there? Uh-oh, I only had five people buy. Okay, that's my low number. So maybe I need to rethink this thing. So mm-hmm. using the data um, to help you reconfigure your offer and your business will help you be a better entrepreneur and help you do it for the long term. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's really, really great stuff to keep in mind. Brian, this has been really insightful, uh, really great to hear your story and, and all these actionable suggestions. If people want to find the book, if they want to find more about you, if they want to follow you, where do you suggest that they go? Thanks so much, Josh. And thanks, thanks so much for having me. You know, my favorite thing to do is, is if you guys, if there's anything I shared today that you're like, oh, that was so good, or I have a question about that, just send me a direct message on Instagram. Just, you know, find me on Instagram. I'm Brian Dixon. So it's Brian J. Dixon on Instagram. Hit that little uh, message button and just say, hey, I, I heard you on Josh's show and I have a question about this. Or I heard you on the show and I really like this one point you made. Uh, and we can start a conversation. I think that's the best way because we, we, 2019, it's all about personal relationships. So mm-hmm. if you'd like to continue the relationship with me after listening to this, hey, send, send me a message on, on, uh, on Instagram. And then also if you want to learn about my coaching and my speaking and all those kind of things, the things I actually do for a living, just go on over to my website, briandixon.com. There's a little 30-second quiz right there at the top, which will help you get more clarity about your business. Awesome. Brian, just a, a few more words of affirmation. It was, it was really great having you on. You're an awesome guest and uh, definitely hope to keep in touch and, and maybe have you on for a round two someday. Thanks again. Thanks, Josh. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.